0: Hi, and welcome to the Part 3 With Me podcast. The show that helps Part 3 architecture students jumpstart into their careers as qualified architects. I am your host, Maria Scudari, And this week, we will be looking into the next step of starting your practice, which is the business plan. Uh, This falls under... PC4 Practice and Management of the Part 3 Criteria. And also join me next week where I will be focusing on marketing your business. So a business plan should typically include your company history and arrangements, business objectives, uh, advisors, business potential and competition, services to be offered, distinctiveness, pricing structure, capacity, promotion, size and growth, company structure and management, law and regulation, finances, funding and naming. So some of these would have already been prepared from the items we discussed in the previous episode from your three to five year plan, your checklist and your SWOT analysis. So your business plan, in essence, is the full breakdown of your business that will become very useful over the years in raising finance and investment for your business and also becoming a benchmark for checking your progress against and making sure you're on track with your goals or to identify any new areas you want to expand to. So it's basically a written document of your business's um, progress, where it's at, um, a bit like a a health checklist, let's say. So the business plan itself can be split into six sections. The first one is the company. which basically contains the details of your business. Uh, Second one is business potential. Third is your offer. Fourth is promotion and marketing. Fifth is business arrangements. And sixth is financial details and cash flow. So starting with the first section, the company, under this section, you start by writing down your existing arrangements. Do you have a partner? Then your history in terms of your established skills and experience. Then you can go into uh, more detail about your personnel. Is anyone working for you? Do you have an admin person? Then you can note your premises. Have you found a place to work from? Lay all the facts down to establish where you are starting from, what you have to base your business on and to build from. If you have a partner, it would be beneficial if you both did this exercise from your um, respective points of view and you might find out new things about each other reinforcing your relationship. Uh, then you should set out your business objectives and goals. Uh, some may be uh, like high level aspirations or specific achievements that you want, to, uh, you want to reach and this will need to be agreed and expressed to any partners or employees you might have. Uh, and your goals um, will need to be forward-looking, robust and capable of standing the test of time to be able to keep you going. So an example of these might be uh, to create a delightful and beautiful architecture, um, to maintain an adequate level of living, uh, potentially to grow without threatening the quality of the work, uh, winning a certain number of or value of jobs per quarter, Uh, achieving predetermined client satisfaction levels or it might be achieving employee satisfaction targets, for example. Goals are generally needed so that your planning gap can be focused on achieving them and each should have um, a timescale set against it. So some may be permanent ongoing goals that can be checked on a regular basis and some may be short term goals that will eventually be replaced by new goals. So make sure to keep your business goals separate from your financial goals. So this is where advisors can assist um, as mentioned in the previous episode. So having advisors is very important in establishing credibility and backing for your business, especially a bank manager, since they have a wealth of experience of both successful and unsuccessful businesses and have a vested interest in their customer success. So make sure you use their support to help your company grow. So first of all, though, start by visiting different banks to see what they can offer you and what resources they have available and choose the one most suited to your needs. So they can be very useful allies in times of hardship. So make sure to have a bank advisor for your business. Then moving on to the second section, which is business potential. Under this section, you will establish the market. So what and where is the market for your services? So you may already know if you've been working for a practice in the same area, but you will need to do more research to establish where your work will come from and that it will include the types of projects and clients you want to work with. So if you're looking to provide a specialist service, will it be suitable for that area and the community? Uh, You will also need to check on your competition and potential collaboration with others. Will you need to travel to access the projects and the area you wish to work from? Consider how easy and sustainable that approach would be and determine the most appropriate location for your practice. So you'll need to carry out sufficient research, maybe by speaking to existing or potential clients and find out how they choose their architects and why. So... How do they plan on procuring their buildings? And what are they looking for when making their selection? Also talking to other architects, engineers and other construction consultants in the area uh, that can give you some information on the area if any building programs are coming up or investment opportunities potentially. Um, So you can ask them, how is the local housing market? Uh, and find the likely procurement routes and if these are most likely to follow a design and build approach. Uh, If it is, it may be a good time to meet potential bidding contractors uh, and make sure to get a good understanding of the economy and how it relates to potential design work and familiarize yourself with the local authorities agenda in the area. Uh, You should also aim to establish a broad client base with a good mix of both private and public sector clients um, that have diverse requirements to keep you developing and growing on your experience and make sure to maintain relationships with all your clients as they can be uh, repeat clients eventually and also become a vital source um, of your workload and for referrals in the future. Uh, Next up, moving to the third section, your offer. So this section covers the services you plan to provide, your distinctiveness, pricing structure and capacity. So in terms of your services, um, you may wish to concentrate on just um, a part of the standard services. For example, you might just want to focus on planning or you may want to offer other services or specialisms. So the key is to focus on what you do best and can offer economically and at a profit. So what are you confident selling and what is your market? So start with what you know uh, and that you know you can do and gradually start adding potential services you are confident you can develop and obtain. Then set out the services you'd like to provide in the future but have yet to develop capacity or experience on. So you, as a guide, you can use the RIBA plan of work to start from And to list your skills and abilities um, that are outside standard frameworks, because these might suggest the direction for your practice. So establish a plan of what you really want to produce and what your clients really want to buy, as this will definitely inform uh, your practice's distinctiveness and lead more clients to choose your practice over another. So this is where marketing and concepts assist in shaping your brand, uh, your reputation and your unique selling point. Uh, A unique selling point may be a specialism that you can offer. So try and think from the client's perspective and what you would look for if you were in their position. So after you've established your services and brand, you'll need to consider how much you intend to sell your services for. So this should be based on what the market currently can bear but also considering how much the production and delivery of the services is costing you uh, in terms of time, resources, and overheads. So there are, for architects, there are typically three um, ways you can calculate your fees. Uh, One is as a percentage of the construction costs uh, on a time charge basis at an agreed hourly rate with the client or as a lump sum fee. Uh, research how others typically charge for their work and how the work is valued by their paying clients. So you may discover new methods of charging together with your clients, um, discovering where they where they see the greatest value uh, delivered from the architectural service, uh, helping you to establish your own method of charging. So transparency is key with charging to avoid any future disputes with clients. So avoid underselling yourself because once you become known for cheap fees, it's very difficult to increase your charges afterwards. So clients don't really understand what architects have to offer and what services are included. So try and make sure that you explain and make clear in detail the tasks you will undertake for them and on their behalf to help them understand your fees and services and where all the charges come from. So as part of your fees, you will also need to consider the resource and capacity you can make available for each project and whether you have employees or if you work alone and reaffirm to your clients, your ability to deliver their projects efficiently and in the timescales agreed, but be careful to not over recruit with every peak in workflow as your workload might suddenly fall and you will need to go through redundancies. So, this is a balance you will need to review and reevaluate with every project to create the right balance for your clients and for your business. Uh, next, we have section four, which is practice, promotion, and marketing. Uh, under this section, you will have to determine how you will promote the practice and prepare a strategy for selling your business. Uh, your plan should include the production of promotional material. Uh, that is effective in achieving measurable wins, Um, for example, that you've achieved an award, a promotion, or through your networking. So make sure that you allow for a sum in your financial plan for promotional activities and growing your marketing strategy. I'll be expanding more on marketing in the next episode. Now, moving on to section five uh, of the business plan, which is business arrangements. So this is a section where you determine what size of practice you want to be and by when. So this will typically be determined by the type of work you want to bring in or input brought forward from other partners or employees. So if you want to grow relatively quickly, then try to run your practice with that ethos from the start, ensuring you will have enough office space that will accommodate growth as well as your systems. And this may result in higher overheads in the beginning, but it will be worth it in the long run when you reach that stage of growth. So the same obviously applies if you want to stay relatively small by keeping your processes simpler and more straightforward. So under this section is also where your business structure will come under, which we talked about in the last episode. So whether you will go down the route of a sole trader, partnership, company, or cooperative then along with the business structure you have come the management requirements. Uh, These need to meet the requirements of the practice in achieving its aim uh, and that skills and resources are well organized and that it has capacity to develop and grow. So if you don't have any experience on running projects or a business unit or even managing staff, then try and seek uh, advice from others who have uh, done this and on how best to go about it and how others have tackled it by giving you an understanding of what may be required. So a key thing to keep in mind when you determine your business structure is to be aware of the rules and regulations you will have to adhere to as a business in terms of insurance, health and safety, employment, law, and so on. So some regulations affect all business types, but greater regulatory impact comes when you officially become an employer, which may be a determining factor on which business route you might take on in your growth plan. And then the final section, finances. So basic financial success is essential for all businesses' survival. That's why cash flow should be kept healthy and any overdraft arrangement to be kept under constant review. So In addition to this, you will, of course, want to set out some financial goals, which will include the level of profit you want to achieve, um, your income, uh, any investment you want to make, um, and any marketing expenditure you want uh, from the business, alongside any pro bono work, um, which is free work that you might want to do for charities, for example, or charity contributions, which you may wish to take on then you will need to look into your overheads, which should always be included in your forecasts and, and your budget plan, to make sure you allow enough of a budget for them every single month. So these will typically involve your any salaries, any rent costs, uh, software, equipment, utility bills, and any other types like this. So make sure to make smart decisions with these as they will be your monthly expenditure that you will always have to make allowance for. So you want to make sure everything is affordable and within your budget. So this will then lead on to your financial forecast. The financial forecast will need to basically demonstrate whether you need to raise capital to fund your business and how you will repay any loans you might have. So it should provide the core evidence to convince a lender to provide you with the capital you need. So as you run your business, the financial plan should be a regular reference document to guide uh, your real performances. So that it should be reviewed and updated regularly at least uh, once a month. So once all of this is established, then you move on to the fun part of choosing your company or trading name. So you may go down the standard route and use your own name for the company or you may decide to choose something that reflects your brand and marketing strategy and separates you from from the rest of the practices. So to sum up what I talked about today, we ran through your business plan for starting a practice. Your business plan should include details of the company, uh, business potential, your offer, promotion and marketing business arrangements, and financial details and cash flow. So make sure that you seek out and appoint appropriate advisors to assist with each step, Uh, mainly an insurance broker, an accountant, a bank manager, uh, to which you will have to give your business plan to for any loans you may need, Um, a legal advisor, an IT consultant. Identify through market research, the sectors and clients you will be working in or for and targeting. Uh, Make sure to assess and be prepared to nurture your existing client base for repeat business and referral opportunities. Establish the services you intend to sell and preliminary pricing structure, ensuring they are adequately sellable and distinctive in your chosen marketplace. Uh, Know how you will provide the services you will be offering for sale. Develop a marketing and promotion strategy that will bring you to the attention of the clients you want to attract. Examine and decide on legal structure for the company and carry out whatever preparations for this is necessary. Prepare a financial forecast and explore potential funding arrangements. Uh, Choose a name for your business. And remember that a business plan is a living document and will change and adapt as the business grows and changes its aspirations and management. And remember that having a business plan will put you ahead of most of the competition since most don't go through the process of putting one together and live month by month. So just by doing your business plan, you are far more ahead than most. Uh, and as always, I like to provide you guys with a scenario to put what I just went through into context. So today's scenario, we'll be looking at the pros and cons for taking on a large scale project if you're a smaller practice and does the business have uh, the capacity for it? Will it bring us any benefits or open us to any risks? So this larger project is for a student accommodation building, uh, a contractor approached us for this for this project and will be also be working with a university. So in terms of the pros, uh, in this instance, you've previously worked with these contractors. So you have good experience with them and what you worked on previously was very successful. So this gives us some confidence in taking this project forward with them, uh, since we're familiar as a business with their way of working and their capabilities in delivering successful project. Um, And also our previous history with working with universities also gives us uh, more possibility in winning this project and exposing ourselves further for future projects, both with the university and the contractor. Uh, Also winning this project uh, against um, other potential competition or other architects will also raise our practices profile potentially and also help us obtain future jobs from other universities. And this would also offer us advantages in securing future work and cash flow for the practice. Um, Also, student accommodation scheme have become quite common within the last few years. So it's a good opportunity for the practice to create a new specialism and expand to other sectors and a range of new clients. So those would roughly bring together the pros of um, getting this new project into the practice. Now for the cons, a possible outcome would be that we would waste our time and resource on a failed um, project if we don't manage to actually secure this and if the contractor doesn't decide to go with us. So those resources could have been used on something something else on our secured project. So that can be a risk that we might uh, be open to if we don't win the job. Um, and if something goes wrong throughout the process, we risk damaging our relationship with the contractor and the university. There will also be a relatively tight program on this job. So we may risk um, producing something that isn't of the highest quality that will be required by the local authority because we don't have the experience as a practice. And cost certainty may also affect the final quality of the scheme. Uh, And we might not meet the budget, cost or quality might result in claims being placed against us for not providing the required skill, care and diligence expected from us. So these are the list of pros and cons that you would potentially provide to your manager, for example, uh, that they might have asked you for this, for your opinion on this uh, bid, whether we should take it on this project or, um, or not. And then you, in terms of the fee for, for a job like this, you would typically recommend uh, a percentage-based fee based on the construction budget Um, Because of how big the project is, it's a bit difficult to set it on a lump sum or an hourly rate fee. So a percentage fee would be the most suitable for this type of project. And also the percentage fee um, can be based on the possibility of an increased program and potential market inflation that will affect the construction cost, uh, which would as a result increase our fee respectively. And given program is a bit of a worry for us because we haven't had any previous experience on this on a job like this, on a student accommodation, um, we could also recommend that given this is a design and build um, envisioned pr- project, that um, we agree with the contractor that we use uh, BIM software from the outset for this project uh, so we can speed up the design process as well as speeding up the contractor's construction process uh, by identifying possible design implications from early stages, which would in return assist in the coherent progress of the project. So that concludes today's episode. Uh, Stay tuned for next week's episode where I will be focusing on marketing the practice. If you would like to get in contact with me, please feel free to email me on the address provided in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. This is an educational show aimed at supporting the future generation of architects. The information, opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. Please join me next week for some more part three with me